From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. Every year in the lead up to Christmas, thousands and thousands of native flying insects, known as Christmas beetles, would emerge from the soil and attach themselves to trees, streetlights and crawl into homes across Australia. Or at least, that's what used to happen. In recent years, Christmas beetles have largely disappeared, concerning scientists who are worried that climate change is to blame. Today, producer for 7am, Cara Jensen-McKinnon, on what happened to Australia's Christmas beetles. It's Thursday, December 9. So, Cara, you've been on a search for this particular Australian insect, the Christmas beetle. I didn't grow up on the East Coast, so I'm not that familiar with them. Can you tell me a bit about them and why you're looking for them? So Christmas beetles are these silly little beetles. They're mostly brown and they're shiny. Some are gold and some are copper. And where I grew up on the East Coast of Australia in Sydney, there used to be hundreds of thousands They'd come out of their little Christmas houses. I don't know where they were in November, but in December, they would emerge and they would wreak havoc. They would fly into walls. They would fly around the house. Eventually, they'd, like, smash into something and fall onto their little back. They couldn't flip themselves over. And when you did pick them up, they have these, like, crispy little gross bug legs and they would cling onto your hand and it kind of felt like a bottle cap on your skin. And I just remember seeing them all over the pavement, They were always drowning in the pool. In fact, they were so prolific this time of year in December that when I was a kid in primary school, there were three things that meant Christmas time was coming. Jacaranda trees were flowering. We had very ripe mangoes that were very cheap that we ate over the sink. And Christmas beetles arrived. But lately, the last five or ten years, I actually haven't seen one at all. Right, so that explains why you're looking for them now, because you haven't seen a Christmas beetle for years. So the vanishing Christmas beetle, is this something that other people are noticing as well? At first I thought maybe it's because I'm spending, you know, less time in the bush and just more time looking at my phone that I'm not really attuned to Christmas beetle populations as much as I used to be. Then I started talking to some of my friends and they said that they'd noticed the same thing. So I thought, you know, it mustn't just be me. I just started thinking, you know, surely it couldn't be possible that in my own lifetime, Christmas beetles could have gone from populations of thousands and thousands to virtually zero. So to find out whether Christmas beetles had actually disappeared, I decided to embark on a bit of a Christmas journey. Hello, testing. Okay, this is day one of me searching the bush, looking for beetles. So this is the second day of my search. So I started pretty small, just kind of walking aimlessly around the bush, around my house. This is day three. Still pretty wet outside. So I haven't really seen anything yet. I imagine they like to stay in their little... 
and didn't find anything. And then after a few days, I just became pretty obsessed, actually, with looking for them. So this is day five of my search. Um, and it's really starting to feel like I'm in some, like, weird true crime podcast show. Like, I'm literally just... And so did you find any Christmas beetles, Cara? This is the sad thing. I was looking really hard too and I didn't find any. I did find plenty of other beetles and have a lot of bites on my legs from other beetles, but I found not one Christmas beetle. And so rather than give up, I decided to elicit the help of an actual expert. I found a guy online called Chris Reed, who is an actual Christmas beetle expert from the Australian Museum. First things first, if you could yep. just give me like an introduction. Hi, I'm Chris. Uh, hi, this is Chris Reed. I'm a research scientist at the Australian Museum and my position here is uh, all about research on beetles. And so I went to the museum and I paid him a visit. Certainly when I first came to Australia was end of November 1984. It was very hot. Um, I came from winter in the UK, of course, uh, but it was very hot. It was also the end of a drought, and yet on the hot summer evenings, there were Christmas beetles all around the lights. And Christmas beetles, compared to the British beetle fauna, are huge and spectacular. And so I asked Chris about the uh, Christmas beetle populations, and he actually confirmed my suspicions. I used to uh, run uh, an insect uh, class in primary school, 12 years ago, it was not difficult to fill a bucket with Christmas beetles from the local lights and just use those for the for the kids to, to handle because they're quite robust. And now I would be struggling to find more than 10. He told me about these historical texts that they have at the museum which detail, you know, 100 years ago how many beetles there were and he told me this crazy story. Where these two ladies recounted the Christmas beetles feeding on branches of eucalypts next to Sydney Harbour, being so numerous that the branches dipped into the water. Uh, so, I mean, that's certainly not, not occurring now. He says, you know, since then there's been a marked decline in these Christmas beetle populations and it's actually pretty rare to see one or two a year these days if you're lucky and, you know, obviously he's an expert in this area, so he's walking around looking for them pretty seriously, and he only saw his first beetle just the other day at the train station. Well, I, I think I'm recorded on all their um, cameras at night, <laughs> Cr crawling about uh, um, sort of late at night, about half past nine or ten. I, I crawl around and, and visit all the um, lights in the car park nearby. Okay, so it sounds like it's definitely not just Yukara. Christmas beetles really seem to be vanishing. And I suppose if that is the case, the big question is, why is that happening? What has happened to the Christmas beetle? I asked Chris and he says, you know, when you drill down into it, the underlying factor is climate change. We all know climate change is happening. We're seeing devastating floods and fires more and more every year. But 
a lot of the shifts, especially in weather patterns and things, are so intangible that you can kind of ignore it a little bit, which is why I think that, you know, now when I'm walking around and I notice little things like jacaranda trees are blooming in October instead of November and I can't see beetles anymore, these are all really clear and tangible signs of, of climate change happening in my lifetime. We'll be back in a moment. The Every Moment Matters campaign provides accurate, evidence-based information and advice about alcohol, pregnancy and breastfeeding. It has been created by the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education and endorsed and funded by the Australian Government. Alcohol use during pregnancy can lead to Fetal Alcohol Spectrum Disorder, or FASD, a lifelong disability. So make the moment you start trying the moment to stop drinking. Visit everymomentmatters.org.au to find out more. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for the Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, the Saturday Paper, and you'll receive the Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. Cara, you've spent the last couple of weeks looking for Christmas beetles without much success. It sounds like they are actually disappearing and the underlying reason here is to do with climate change. So can you unpack that for me and tell me exactly what it is that's occurring here? Yes. So I will try my best to answer this because I'm not a beetle expert like Chris, but he says that beetle populations need multiple consecutive wet years in a row in order to thrive because the soil needs to be soft enough for them to lay their eggs. Um, I think what I'm seeing is just the effect of prolonged drought and particularly drought in winter because we're now getting winter after winter with no rain. And then it needs to be soft enough the following year for those eggs to, well, the little baby insects to burrow out to the surface. It needs to be two wet summers because your first wet summer is only going to lead to a hatch of the very poor previous year. So you need two in a row. And he says because we've had so many hot summers lately, the ground is really hard and compacted and all of the leaves are dry, so they don't really have a lot to eat anyway, which is why it's been really difficult for those beetles to lay eggs and those eggs just aren't hatching. The females are laying eggs in in late summer. Those eggs are um, hatching into larvae, which then feed late summer, autumn, winter. Some uh, larvae could emerge as adults the next spring-summer season, but some larvae may um, suspend their development and stay in the soil for another year. He says that there's also fewer trees around, fewer young saplings because of fires and droughts again. So climate change has a massive impact on the beetles' population, but he said you know, there's a lot of things that we actually do ourselves that are exacerbating the decline in their population as well. Right. Okay. So as temperatures rise, the heat is making it difficult for the beetles to reproduce. But on top of that, there are some other things that are are happening that are making the situation worse. Can you tell me what they are? Yeah. So one of the biggest issues is actually land clearing for housing developments. Because the beetles are 
kind of picky eaters. They all have one specific tree that they like to eat. The area that's under the greatest pressure in Sydney is Western Sydney and, and the southwest. It's also full of rare vegetation types, which are based around eucalypt woodland. Um, and so they tend to find themselves in those environments. Some of the beetles like eucalyptus trees, some like tea tree and some like acacia. So that's my assumption that there's a, a link between loss of numbers of Christmas beetles that people, people are saying and the housing. And Chris estimates that there's probably only about 10% of their natural habitat left in those areas. Right, so it sounds like things are getting pretty urgent for the Christmas beetle. Soon there won't be many places left for it to live. So what are the consequences of something like this happening? Because Christmas beetles, they don't exist in isolation. So if they disappear, then what else happens? So Christmas beetles are a really important part of natural ecosystems. They're the tasty little lunch of magpies and cockatoos and kookaburras. And to see a decrease in their population, we're seeing huge repercussions for these little micro ecosystems. We're seeing huge shifts in other species because of these climate impacts too. And so we're seeing these populations, you know, of other insects like bogon moths and cicadas also in decline. And because there's obviously not a lot of funding in beetle research, it will take years and years for scientists to collect all of the data and information that they need, by which time it might actually be too late. Mm. Okay. And Kara, in the meantime, are you still searching for Christmas beetles? Are you still hoping to find one? Yeah. Climate change is obviously making it pretty hard for me to find the beetles, but I was telling Chris about my fruitless search and he actually gave me some tips. He said that it's really important that if you have access to a garden or green space that you plant native Australian trees in those areas to encourage native wildlife and insects to return. He said that because they like to congregate around large kind of urban lights around, you know, train stations, that sort of thing, because they think it's the moon and they use the moon to navigate. There's usually a lot in those areas. And so he thinks that um, I'd have a better chance if I looked in those areas. And so the other night with this new information, I decided to start searching again. So I've come back to my bushwalk at night time and there's definitely a lot more bugs um, but it's also very dark so maybe one of these is a Christmas beetle I'm not sure I don't really want to put my hand into the dark bush there's not really any beetles near the street lights I think I might actually have to call it a night I really hope that you find a Christmas beetle, Cara. Thanks. There's still two weeks before Christmas, so I still have time. For longtime editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out that's what a therapist is for please <laughs> please go see a therapist we're very pro-therapy yeah, if, no, if that's what you're using writing for 
I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Also in the news today, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has announced a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Winter Olympics, which are due to take place early next year. Morrison said that Australian athletes would compete at the Games, but Australian officials would not attend the event due to ongoing concerns about human rights abuses in China. The move comes after the US announced a diplomatic boycott earlier in the week. And Australian Olympic swimmer Madeline Groves has accused leading swimming coaches of sexual harassment and misconduct. On Wednesday, the Olympic medalist said that she was sexually abused from the age of 13 and spoke out against a culture of misogyny and perversion within the sport. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.